Hello and welcome to this In Conversation series with some of UQ's highest achieving alumni, the 2020 UQ Alumni Award winners. My name is Madonna King and my guest is Rob Kaslick, who is the CEO of Too Good Co. And Rob has been awarded the Vice-Chancellor's Alumni Excellence Award. He graduated from the University of Queensland in Mechanical Engineering in 1998, undertaking officer training in the Royal Australian Navy. He was appointed as the Marine Engineer on board HMAS Sydney, where he served for six years and saw active service in the Persian Gulf. There, as part of the UN-sanctioned blockade in the Second Gulf War, monitored shipping out of Iraq and searched vessels for contraband. That's just a tiny slice of a career that has been rooted in community service and helping others. Now, I'm not even sure where to start, but but you come from this tiny place in North Queensland. You lived at St Leo's College on campus. How was that influential in shaping what you later did? So I went from an all-boys Catholic boarding school to an all-boys Catholic campus at St Leo's. What I loved about Leo's is the camaraderie and the mateship. And I think that kind of really set up a a strong sense of community. And, you know, and those Christian values of thinking about others and supporting others has always been with me since, since I started school. So let's come to your graduation and your time on board the HMAS Sydney. Tell us about one of the most interesting days there. Well, I mean, I loved the Navy when I was there, um, the training and also the active service. I think the, the most interesting day would, of course, be the, you know, the time we uh, had to capture a vessel that was smuggling oil out of Iraq. But how we all came together and, and completed that mission was, was definitely my highlight of, of the Defence Forces. You said you didn't see yourself as officer material back then. What kind of material <laughs> do you consider yourself? No, I mean, I mean, the defence force is very hierarchical, and it's just not something that I am. And and I enjoyed the engineering. I love the I love the work that we did and and the place that we got to see. But yeah, it was just not not for me. Well, you set up Australia's first organic soup kitchen, serving the the homeless in Sydney's Kings Cross. Tell me about someone homeless who you've learned something from. While I was at University of um, Queensland, I, I did some volunteering with the Salvos in the Valley. Uh, and there was a guy that was probably my dad's age and he just looked, you know, immaculate, regular. And it was just that kind of awakening into, to me that, that, you know, I thought, you know, Australia was this blessed country where this wouldn't happen, but it does. And, and, and even talking to that gentleman, uh, in hearing his, you know, him say how, you know, how he had it all and it just kind of crumbled down in front of him and to sort of just to be, just to hear that and see that and, and, and that kind of, again, that stereotype of who we have as someone who is homeless is not really that person, I think. You paint that knowledge almost as a privilege. Do you think we'd be a better community if we all saw that more often? You know, like we're fortunate in Sydney in particular that there's no one really, you know, there's there's no one's going to starve death. There's you know, it, like there's there's definitely some food shortage. Um, there's definitely you know people that need um, you know provisions of food. But in general, um, if you know where to go, you can find a you can find a free meal in Sydney. 
So our kind of thing with the soup kitchen wasn't really to feed people, it was creating a space of dignity and respect and, and where we come around and share a meal together. And one of the things I loved most about the soup kitchen wasn't in fact the people that we got to share a meal with, but it was the volunteers, you know, getting over our privilege and our security and, and kind of really kind of seeing firsthand that, you know, this is what's going on and this is who is someone who might be homeless and this is, and, and you learn, you learn just as much about yourself as you do about others. You founded Too Good Co to scale the soup kitchen, but explain its genesis. So when I was at uni, my grandmother took me to a, a soup kitchen at Bow Desert um, on the Gold Coast, and I, um, I just loved the way that food brought people together. And so that was really the genesis of the soup kitchen, and the soup kitchen was an organic soup kitchen. And the reason we did organic food, not to be fancy or anything like that, it was literally prior to that, two mates and I used to wheel our barbecue up to this place where um, people who are homeless used to sleep rough and hang out. And I noticed a lot of people were coming on heavy recreational drugs or medicinal drugs. So the whole idea was that to serve food that's as clean as possible. And in doing so, you know, when you share a good meal, you actually serve dignity and respect and love. And I think that that was the premise or the genesis of the soup kitchen. The, I say set up a soup kitchen, but in fact, the, the soup kitchen was running every day and we set up a Wednesday night after work. So I was still full time as an engineer. Uh, and then yeah, running a soup kitchen, organic soup kitchen. And then, you know, and then it started to go really well. And then we thought, how do we? How do we do what we do on a Wednesday night across the whole of the soup kitchen and try to try to share a thousand meals every week uh, that, you know, and we would create this really beautiful place of dignity and respect. So what about it do you think has attracted the support of corporate Australia? Because there's demand for that charity dollar for a whole lot of important causes that you've been very successful in roping in. Yeah. So when we first launched Too Good, I ended up dropping off, just randomly dropping off some meals to a women's shelter. And it turned out, and, and then, you know, the women kind of in the shelter loved it. And another women's shelter reached out and went some more of those meals and another women's shelter. And I said, like, what's going on here? You know, why women's shelters? And then I, you know, I looked up this lady who was a domestic violence consultant, just found her on LinkedIn, went to meet with her uh, and told her what I was doing. And then she gave me some really interesting tips. But the very next day, she wrote me this letter. And the letter um, talked about uh, Lisa arriving in a women's shelter in Sydney. Uh, she arrived in the middle of the night with very little uh, um, belongings. She had the two children and she was given this toiletry set. But for her, it wasn't the fact it was, you know, she had no toiletries. What was pivotal in her healing process was that someone had gone to the effort of wrapping this beautiful box in cellophane and tying this purple bow. And the fact that someone had gone to the effort of neatening that bow demonstrated that she was of value and worthy. And she said, when people think about domestic violence, they rarely think about what was missing in that relationship. And the fact that we'd gone to all of the efforts of collaborating with some great chefs and uh, making the packaging as best as we can, kind of really demonstrated to that person that you're worthy of this love and we do everything we can to create the most beautiful and the most jar filled with love for, for the woman in the shelter. And I think that's kind of why we, well, it's definitely why we focus now on primarily on women's shelters and women who have gone through domestic violence in particular. And that kind of first started to resonate with the corporate Australia. It was about at the same time Rosie Batty was Australian of the Year. 
And so there was a kind of a really nice little um, link there with what we were doing. One of the thing, one of the hard things about corporates trying to um, take a stance with domestic violence is, is while there's definitely a big advocacy piece and and a communications piece, it's quite difficult other than donating money to, to actually being involved and having a response or and a beautiful meal, knowing that another meal is going to a women's shelter is was kind of an effective way to do that, to, to talk about domestic violence in a, in a potentially, not a positive, but, but a, not in a kind of a, a negative way. And I think that's why we had some uh, initial success of, you know, in around timing. And so how big do you think Too Good Co can go? Where do you see its future? Unfortunately, through COVID, we've lost you know majority of our revenue. We're now operating more like a charity, but the, the intention is purely to get back to a business, to scale on a business. One of, the, one of the challenges that I didn't want to do was to grow and then to have to continue to ask more money so we can grow more or, or to sustain. So we definitely want to be a business first. You know, we've been in the game for a few years now. We're getting some great contracts. We're about to go into um, another large property companies building and all of our soaps and lotions. So we're, we're starting to get some really good scale now. It costs us a lot of money. The, the, the employment program that we run now costs us about half a million bucks a year to run, which is super expensive. We turn over our staff every four months, but we wouldn't have any other way. That's where our social impact is of the greatest it's a long way from your first day at UQ. <laughs> is this anything like the career you believed you would have had? No, not at all. I knew I always loved and the heart was always in community. You know, we always ask the question, how do we have more social impact in everything we do? Like, what does this actually mean to us when we, when we look at our social impact first? And all the products that we design, how do we make sure that it's, you know, it's designed with the person in the shelter in mind in the first instance? Yeah, as you're talking, I, I wonder if there's a message there for first year students or young students in actually keeping their minds and their, their, their options open as they study. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, the challenge is to work hard at everything that you do and so that you put yourself in the best position for the next role. And there's definitely things that you learn along the whole way to, that shapes you as who you are, you know. No, no matter what age you, you are and what part of your career you're at. Is there anything you do markedly differently if you started again? I don't think so. Like, you know, there's definitely lessons learned. And, and, and while I'm grateful for this award, I kind of, you know, don't really think that I deserve it. And, and I think there's plenty of things that, you know, I probably should have bought a house earlier and I should have, probably should have done this and I probably should have, you know, there's, there's certainly some kind of crazy decisions at the time, but at the time they're the right decision for me. So... No regrets, Madonna. Rob Kaslick, congratulations and good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with UQ Vice-Chancellor's Alumni Excellence Award recipient, Rob Kaslick. To learn more about our Alumni Award winners or for more information about the UQ Alumni Programming, please visit the UQ Alumni webpage at alumni.uq.edu.au or follow UQ Alumni on social media. My name is Madonna King and thanks for listening.